0: I'm Kimberly Seapalm. As I travel throughout each state, I realize that death is just a moment. It is how we live until that moment that matters. Finding connection with friends, family, and complete strangers. Journey with me. This is the Live Well, Die Well Tour. So we're here today with Liz, who represents Lantern. Liz, thanks for joining us today. And you're kind of going to be some of the last podcast I record in the RV as I transition back into a a house in Wilmington. So I appreciate uh, your patience with all the technical (laughs) stuff behind the scenes. No worries. And welcome. Almost (laughs) from. Yeah. Yeah. I'm about two hours away right now. So um, transitioning back in January uh, to to Wilmington, North Carolina, which you know, going from twenty nine feet to fourteen hundred square feet is is going to be like a, a brain freeze for me. So uh, insane. So we're here not to talk about me, but to talk about you and Lantern. Um, and and w- before we even get started, let's talk. I love asking this kind of original question. Um to start off our conversations is I'm always interested how people come to this end of life field. Um, And everyone has a, as some have similar stories, but some have very, you know, different stories. And I was wondering as we were prepping or I was prepping for this podcast, I was wondering like, how can a young, pretty girl, woman like you come to this field that really a lot of people don't want to talk about? Yeah,
1: I get that question all the time, and it's funny because I I think I can always tell even when someone isn't asking that that's what they're thinking about, right? <laughs> <laughs> and so I usually just try to weave it in anyway, just to, to cover the bases. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I you know I've always been really sort of hyper aware of mortality since a young age. Um, my dad was diagnosed with cancer when I was in kindergarten, so you know really all of my memory has been around the fragility of life. And he passed away in 1999, um, about a week before Y2K, which was super relevant in my family because my grandfather was fully convinced that Y2K was happening. <laughs> <laughs> and so, oh, gross. Um, yeah. And so he, you know, he had been battling cancer for for a while and um, and then, you know, eventually passed away from it. And um, I think, you know, it's as an almost 10-year-old, it really put life in perspective from a very young age of just how finite it is, uh, how important it is to spend time wisely, to um, pick jobs and clubs at school, and you know friends that sure. really are meaningful um, and contribute to to sort of the the larger goal of making the world a better place and and that really has you know deeply driven through me. Especially, my mom is an artist and an activist, so. Um, the combination, I think, of being uh, just heavily exposed, and then also being raised by someone who is, you know, an activist through and through, uh, made this a really important initially you know, thing that was a part of my life, but not a part of my job. Um, and then eventually yeah. became a part of my job as well.
0: Well, so tell me, you know, what? Tell me a little bit about what is Lantern. And, and what inspired you? Was it your father who inspired you and your mother to create something like this platform?
1: Yeah. So Lantern is your step-by-step guide for navigating life before and after death. So basically, if you're doing a pre-plan for yourself or someone else, or if you're navigating the loss of somebody else, you can find all the tools, resources, services you need in one location. Um, and while, of course, my, you know, my immediate family was absolutely a direct impact on, on why I've landed where I have, uh, it really was actually the experience of losing my grandmother, my dad's mom, about two years ago. Um, I was responsible for her end of life and, and death care and um, got a phone call on a Saturday morning, went up to her nursing facility in Connecticut. And I was met by two police officers, a nurse and her body, and they looked at me and said, what do you want to do? And I was 27 at the time, mm. <laughs> um, completely clueless on what was supposed to be done in these situations. And, you know, I've since found now that I've you know, obviously talked to many, many, many people about this topic. Um, I think we often think that we'll suddenly know how to handle it. Like it. It's like some kind of instinct will kick in. And the reality is, is you know exactly the same amount as you did before the person died. Um, and and I ended up pulling out my phone, um, and you know, as any, especially millennial, but I think most people would do, I Googled, what do you do when someone dies? Um, and fully expected that somebody—I uh, know it's ridiculous—but you know,
0: the world we live in. No, uh, but hey, you don't know how many times on the road I have youtube how to fix this on an RV <laughs> or Google this or that. But you—you know—that's. But thank God you had the information and the resources right in the palm of your hand. Yeah,
1: exactly. And and what ended up happening, you know, I, I found you know, a ton of different websites, ton of different resources, some helpful, some outdated. Um, but was really surprised that there wasn't something like lantern that already existed. I, I fully expected that it was already a thing. You know, we have single point solutions for every major life event, decision-making process, whatever it might be, whether you're getting married, having a baby, buying a house, a car, a credit card, choosing a college, whatever it is. Um, And then for the one thing that impacts every person on the planet at least once in their life. Uh, it sure. really is super fragmented, and it's mostly offline, and it hasn't adapted to the expectations that we have today. And um, I
0: totally agree with you. Yeah,
1: and and there are incredible, incredible. This is not to discount how many incredible companies there are that are developing um, products in this space um, and really utilizing technology to improve end of life and and post loss circumstances. But I found the biggest problem is that they are hard to find. And it's you know real, they're really focused on sort of singular aspects of the process, um, and so the big vision for Lantern and what we continue to drive towards is you know we don't need to reinvent the wheel and create every product from scratch, but we do want to create a place where people can find these amazing products.
0: Oh, uh, so you're sort of like a resource within a resource. Hey, <laughs> come to Lantern, and you can. We're gonna we're going to provide other resources that might might fit you or just help you. I guess, put a light on the path for you? Yes. Is that, exactly. is that where, la- yeah. the, you know, the, the name of Lantern came from? Yes,
1: yeah, exactly. It is It is definitely sort of the guide through this uh, um, typically very dark time. Um, so yes, yeah, so you hit the nail on the head with that. <laughs> but yeah, so awesome. yeah, either, you know, either we're providing it or we're directing you to the best-in-class options.
0: So, you know, you, you talk about being a millennial. Uh, I... Um, you know, I'm not a millennial. I'm part of generation X. And what's interesting to me is that you millennials, um, let's just I guess you specifically, but I've found that that a lot of millennials are are not looking away at this death and dying end of life field. They're embracing it, which I've not seen a generation do that. Why do you why are you doing that? Is it is it because you guys are having some exposure um, at a young age? or is, I mean, I, I, I've I had deaths when I was 12, and I never wanted to work in this field. It was sort of my personal experience that I tripped and fell into it. Um, but it just is interesting to see millennials just embracing it as a part of life, almost normalizing the conversation. Where, where do you feel like that comes from?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's much, much research to be done on this topic. I have a couple a couple of sort of hunches, um, uh, around why this is happening. And I think it is a cross between a couple of different things. You know, one, of course, external factors. I mean, we've, we've pretty much been raised in uh, very turbulent times, uh, everything from, you know, climate disasters and, uh, politics and pandemics and terrorism and, uh, gun violence and racism. And there's, there's just a lot of things, um, that have contributed, I think, to just, you know, really recognizing, um, recognizing our own mortality crossed with the, um, I think, inherent desire to really be on top of and organize with our life. And technology has very much contributed to that. And you even see, you know, life insurance is going younger and financial planning has gone younger and uh, and TurboTax is targeting younger generations. And so it's, sure. uh, I think, you know, we, we have grown up also feeling like we really need to be on top of this stuff. I mean, of course, even you know things like recognizing retirement is going to be uh, hard, if not impossible. Um, that college debt is is uh, crushing the ability to to save and grow our financial futures. So, you know, there are a lot of different factors I think that make us really need to be on top of this type of thing. Um, mm. and that yeah, makes a lot yeah. of sense,
0: though. You know, I, I grew up in. I was born in the '70s and really, truly grew up in in the greatest decade ever ever, ever called like the '80s. And mm-hmm. we, I remember just never locking the doors, um, having the phone on the wall, and never, not having the capability of resources in the palm of my hand. I mean, I'm. I still remember. I was so shocked to see Star Wars on a television inside my house on a VHS tape. You know, it's like you guys were so, you guys were born into the computer world. It was developing as I was coming of age. And I think that does have a, a huge impact on on people, um, especially, I believe, millennials. They don't sit around and talk about it. They actually want to do something to better the situation. That's what I'm finding.
1: Yeah, yeah. We're I think extremely mission-driven generation, and I think that is—I think that's true with the younger generations following as well. Um, there is, you know, a deep desire to have even you know what you're doing for your job be be deeply meaningful and impactful
0: yeah yeah, yeah. Like, that that it doesn't feel like a job because it's so personally connected and that's what that's what I, I I'm also am seeing as well. So talk to me a little bit about how Lantern works. Um, how how do you get people like for instance, if I'm going to lantern and I my my father's just been diagnosed with cancer, I mean what what will Lantern guide me through?
1: Yeah, so basically, when you create an account, we ask you a couple of questions that help us to customize a step by step roadmap that walks you through everything you need to create a comprehensive end of life plan or to navigate all of these sort of logistical mayhem after somebody passes away. Uh, so that's everything you know, on the pre-planning side. That's everything from you know, your end-of-life wishes, legal and financial considerations, um, what to do with subscriptions and passwords, uh, what do you want for your digital legacy? So considering you know, what happens to your Facebook, your Twitter, your Instagram, um, and then also your your history and legacy, telling your story of your life and, and leaving messages behind for the people that you love. Uh, that pre-plan seamlessly can flip into a post-loss plan. But if you don't have a pre-plan, that's okay too. Um, Our our post-loss plans walk you through step-by-step from day one, all of the considerations you need to take down to um, how to you know, navigate and avoid credit card fraud, how to find loss of life insurance policies, identifying what benefits you're eligible for, what to do with the house, a car, <laughs> there's uh there are um, I think often a lot of unexpected and often forgotten tasks, uh, especially when your brain is is definitely sort of clouded and and deeply involved in the emotional aspects of a loss. Uh, so our goal, our primary goal there is just to make sure that you can feel like all the logistics are really covered and, and you just have to follow
0: the roadmap. That's the that's the interesting thing is I've found that you don't know what you don't know until it's way too late and it feels so overwhelming. For instance, you know, I just got a, a you know, a happy birthday on Facebook from a friend of mine that passed passed away suddenly almost five years ago. And I'm thinking, Oh my gosh, her Facebook is still live. And it was almost a jarring, it, it sparked something inside of me. Like, like I felt like I just lost her all over again. Um, but that's, that's interesting. The digital aspect of, of even planning for end of life. Do you feel like that's an, is a new component that we, we, that is forgotten by generations before you?
1: Yeah. I mean, the, the social media aspect is really interesting because it, it has kind of created this, uh, virtual cemetery of the sorts. There's, you know, there are profiles that just sort of exist for all of eternity, unless somebody actively tries to take them down. Um, and we don't often think about what's going to happen to them. And, you know, Facebook in particular, they, they have addressed it by creating basically like a beneficiary designation on, um, on the Facebook account, um, I don't know what the statistics are in terms of usage of that, but I would imagine it's fairly low. Even though people know it's there and it's not hard to do. Right. Um, and then if you if you don't add a beneficiary, then you have to go through the process as you would with you know any account, where you're um, you know proving not only that the person has passed away, but also that you have the right and ability to close the account. Um, so it becomes a far larger task, which I think is why a lot of these accounts end up sitting there because it just sort of feels like it's not it's not worth the energy and the time. Um, I, I have had very similar experiences to you. I had a, a good friend from growing up, passed away a couple of years ago and, um, and her, her LinkedIn work anniversary pops up every year. And it's always this very jarring experience because not only is it, you know, sort of a sudden reminder that she's not there, but it's also a reminder of the life that she could have mm. been living. And, you know, and, and that, that is an incredibly, Experience.
0: It is. And, you know, my my cousin Teresa that I always like pick upon because I'm back in Raleigh and we've been spending a lot of time because, I'm, you know, there's no one to spend time with unless there's family. and And so, and she cannot even remember her passwords and she's still living. And so I know for a fact that her kids and I are going to struggle. And I finally got her to to let's write these down and if you change them you've got to change them when you write them down cuz she can never remember her passwords and she spends hours and i think i think of my accounts whether it's financial or social media or or even the the clubs audible you know prime i mean all those no one knows my passwords and this is lantern will provide this network of how you can fill this out possibly and do you give access to people that are um family members or how does that work?
1: Yeah so we um we actually just introduced a new product it's literally rolling out as we speak um that allows for uh collaboration with family members and trusted advisors so on the pre-planning side you know you might be working with a financial advisor an estate planner a you know, trusted family member um, on the post-loss side, you know, typically people that are navigating, um, all the logistics after a death have up to typically six people that are kind of involved in that process. Um, so you're able to collaborate on the logistics together through that product. And then, you know, of course there's always that big question of, okay, well, a pre-plan is only really helpful if people know it's there. <laughs> so how, how do you, right. how do you share this in a way, um, that you know, people remember it, that they know when to access it. And so we give the option of either you can share it right away if, if that's what you're comfortable with, or you can inform the person that they ha- you have a pre-plan with us and then we only release that information after you've passed away. Um, it's kind of a standard system that also uh, companies like 1Password and LastPass operate by where um, when somebody passes away and you're releasing your your vault of information, um, you can set a time frame for when that information is released, so we can actually inform our our user and say, "Hey, so and so is trying to access your pre plan. Is this okay with you?" And you can either say no, or you know, if you passed away, then you wouldn't respond. And by the end of that time frame, we'd we'll be able to release the information.
0: Well, you know, being this a new, uh, I guess, element f- from you know, Lantern that this the it's just now rolling out. It makes me think, you know, do can I add like five people's email addresses, and how do you know when someone dies to even activate? How does that process go?
1: Yeah. so that's that's exactly what I'm talking about is you know you're we're able to set a system where you can say a period of time where if you don't respond to our request, then we're able to really send information to your designated beneficiary. Um, so that's like if you've ever used like a password vault. Uh, for example, yeah. that, that that's how it, it typically operates. Because um, oftentimes it takes, there's a lot of companies that'll say, okay, um, if you present a death certificate, then we'll release this information. But for this type of highly sensitive information that you need very quickly, waiting for a death certificate might not be an option.
0: Yeah. And I mean, you never know when it's going to be signed and it's physicians and then the morgue. And I mean, it just is a a lengthy process. Well, congratulations. That sounds like a huge undertaking to create this other element to make this kind of path road really easy for individuals um, who are facing end of life, but also for those who are caring for uh, those individuals through their death as well as after. That's amazing.
1: Thank you so much. Thank Congratulations! You. Yeah, our our real you know, big vision and goal for this company overall is just changing the conversation around end of life and death. And um, the products that we're starting to introduce over time will really push that envelope further um, into you know looking beyond the logistics into to how we talk about it, how we prepare for it, how we think about you know advance care directives and power of attorney and guardianship and these things that. Um, that most people know are really important, but don't actually act on and how can we actually change that behavior?
0: Wow. Now let me, so anyone can participate within Lantern.
1: Yeah. yeah. So um, I I mean, we're accessible and available globally. Uh, We are definitely U.S. centric at this stage. Um, So a lot of the recommendations we make are for providers and services that are based in the U.S., that being said, we have users now from 23 different countries, um, and I've found that our our, our product is um, still extremely helpful. Uh, they're just, you know, eventually we'll start to introduce um, more location specific information.
0: Wow, you're going to be like international, global. This is amazing. So, did, is there, a, there there must be some kind of cost to access this material?
1: So first and foremost, it is really important to us as a company that we don't block those that can't afford you know, premium services from getting the information that they need. So we will always have a really exceptional free product available um, at this stage as we're rolling out our, our new services. Um, the free products is an educational tool. Mm. So you still um, you still answer a, a set of questions and we give you a customized roadmap, but it is specifically to, to learn the process um, and to get all the information that you need, but you're not able to you know track progress or show information or collaborate. It's really just to learn those steps. Sure. Um, with our new uh, premium features that we're launching, we basically become a, a vault and a place for collaboration. As well as a productivity tool, so you're able to not just access information, but you're also able to store your own documentation, store your answers to those questions, um, print or share your end of life plans, flip that end of life plan into a post loss plan, and then of course work on it with um, with trusted family members and advisors.
0: Well, that's at least you that there's so many people that don't even know what to do, and you're providing a free. Product to like almost a roadmap for them to to at least identify some things. But what what are there tiers of costs based on how you create your um, end of life plan? Because you know, my family we're going through so much. It's a pandemic happening. My I have had really close family members go in for heart surgery during this pandemic and hip surgery and all this other stuff. And you know they have struggled even with me being kind of like their shadow preaching you know get the paperwork done before you go in they still don't do it and and so how hey how how do i encourage my family to engage with a product like yours because i am the one that's interested because i'm 20 years younger and i want to make sure they have the best end of life but they tend to wait until there's a healthcare crisis, which I, I want to wring all of their necks, but they just don't want to talk about it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I, and that's, I mean, that's absolutely a generational thing. It was the same with my grandmother. She, she had, she had a will done, but would never tell us anything else specifically about she want what she wanted or needed. <laughs> so it is it is very challenging. I, there's a couple of different options and things we recommend. So if it's a close relationship, um, like for example, my mom and I are very close, so I'd feel very comfortable doing this. I would literally just make an account and say, Okay, let's walk through this. I'm gonna type in your answers. <laughs> um, right. if it's right. not if it's not that kind of relationship. And and I do think, you know, lantern really helps with that because it says, Okay, I'm filling out this information that from this site versus I want to know this information. Cause I think some of the the reluctance for, for loved ones to um, push their family members is not wanting to seem like you're trying to get their money or possessions um, And there's definitely with end-of-life planning there's a um, I think a belief that it's mostly just a will um, Which really is about the things that you own um, What in reality an end-of-life plan is far more in-depth than that, you know It, it is about sure. you know what you want at your end-of-life How you want to be cared for how you want to be remembered um, So I think leaning on more of those aspects first um, can really ease that conversation. So that might be, you know, for my stepdad, for example, um, I, I would know I would need to go with more of like a, a, a realism approach, you know, like this is bound to happen. You know, this is, this is life. This is what it is. We need to be prepared for it. And that's how that's his language. Whereas with my mom, it's more like, I don't know what I would do if, if, if you passed away, uh, sooner than we expect. And I don't know what you want. And can we spend some time really working through this together? And that's more her language. Um, so it, it really is about knowing, knowing the person and what really speaks to them. And if you have the comfort level, just starting to dig into it and kind of guiding them a little bit.
0: Has your mother asked about you?
1: Um, she, she hasn't, um, which is interesting I, I have an end-of-life plan, of course. I mean, that would be wild. <laughs> right. uh, I, I have an end-of-life plan. Um, and uh, and my partner knows that I have it. And, you know, of course, it's with Lantern. So it's it's probably the most easily accessible thing on the planet for, for my
0: family. Sure, <laughs> uh, sure, sure.
1: But, sure. Uh, but yeah, she, she hasn't asked me much about what I would want. Um, she has, though... Throughout my life, always told me what she wants, um, which is is a behavior that I think as I get older I will start to reflect and reflect on my own kids because it it really does take away a lot of the anxiety and fear if it's a conversation you have just always had.
0: That's what I'm finding is that parents don't like to ask the children about the children, and what I what I've experienced is Rob, uh, my boyfriend, uh, died at 30 and you know his his parents were faced with a serious illness that they had to start this conversation about what he wanted um and i think it's hard for parents to think of their children dying before them and i i i don't fortunately it doesn't happen to many people or maybe It happens to too many people if the way you look at it, but it's still kind of a question that, you know, life is not guaranteed even for us, uh, kids, you know, walking around this, this, (laughs) this crazy world we live in these days.
1: Yeah. That is that is so true. Yeah, maybe I need to I need to force her a little bit more to have those conversations. <laughs> my my boyfriend and I talk about it quite a bit though. And it's 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 funny because I don't know if you ever feel this way, but like, you know, working in this space, we're so comfortable talking about death that it comes up in like social conversations.
0: Yeah. I mean, I even in in even in parties, dinner parties, and I, and you know, I just comes out of my mouth like, I'm okay if I die on the way home tonight. And everybody's like, the whole dinner party stops, like what? <laughs> like I'm very <laughs> comfortable, you know, because I, I, I think the more I think about my own mortality, the more present I am in in this moment. Does that happen to you?
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think you know. There's, we I talk about this often. I'm a part of an organization called Experience Camps, um, which does free summer camps for kids who have lost a loved one, and um, and we talk about often that I. Awareness around death—that so might be from from losing someone or not—but just you know, have your awareness around death is sort of like a weird superpower that I've gained from losing my dad, and that you know, superpowers—it's like your greatest strength and your Achilles' heel. So, right. yeah, you know, it makes me, I think, love harder and work harder, and uh, and take advantage of um, you know, travel and experiences, and, and really enjoy the present moment. But on the flip side, of course, it also can make you have, you know, anxieties that you might not uh, sure. normally have or, <laughs> um, sure. or, or, you know, or fear of losing other people. And, um, I think people wield that power in different ways. I, I certainly, even though I, I, you know, I work in end of life and death, it doesn't make me particularly like feel it's not like we're ex- I'm excited for it. You know, I think a lot of times right, people right. are like, oh, you're so comfortable with it. It's like, it's not like I'm looking forward to it any more than anyone else. It's just I'm aware of it.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, you know, when when someone close to you is diagnosed with a possible life-limiting illness, I go through this whole process of closing my eyes and thinking of my life without them. And I know that freaks people out, but it almost is like, how can I imagine my life without this person? Almost preparing myself for the worst, but hoping for the best. And, and I, I just feel, like you said, it's sometimes it, people look at it like a superpower, <laughs> but I will say this, uh, you know, I still grieve for some of the hospice patients and Rob, um, that have been in my, you know, have affected my life. And, and I don't think I grieve their loss anymore, but I grieve their absence. Um, Because, you know, I do see Rob's nieces and his sister and her partner growing, you know, their family and, you know, in the middle child going off to grad school that I think he would be really so proud of her. And and it's like you're you're seeing this and you wish they could see it, too. And maybe they do.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's also, you know, you feel I often feel the absence of my dad, even still, you know, it's, it's been over 20 years, but especially at uh you know big life events and now like being with my boyfriend who I know will eventually be my husband and and thinking like oh they would have loved each other and i wish they could have met and, mm-hmm. and spent time together and you know of course like thinking about you know i i'm not super traditional but i do uh i do you know think about like the oh my dad won't walk you down the aisle like you know those right. are sort of things that that still um they still hurt and <laughs> you still feel them no matter how much time passes
0: sure 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 it's almost like you have to ha- think outside of the box of how to include mm-hmm. your father with you know how how can he, you include his presence somehow within that traditional way but yeah it's it's just not the same though that uh, that you see your friends walking their fathers walking down the line so we're we're talking about lantern this really great platform um, how do people find you and, and how do people start engaging with your platform?
1: So, um, our site is lantern.co. It's not.com. Um, you'll end up on a site about like actual lamps and lanterns. <laughs> 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 uh, it's lantern.co. Uh, we're also really active on social media. So follow lantern is our you know, handle on, on Twitter, Instagram, on Facebook, LinkedIn, um, wherever, wherever you spend your time. Um, and yeah, and you know, you can come to us and you can start, uh, either creating your own roadmap. Um, so if you want to create a pre-plan with us, or if you have recently lost someone, um, navigating that way, and um, we also have just a ton of really helpful articles. So if you're not quite ready yet and you just want to sort of explore the site, we have articles on everything from, you know, the pre-planning and post-loss side, and also how to just be a good support for someone else who's going through a loss.
0: That's amazing. That's amazing, and uh, and I'm actually going to to engage my cousin Teresa to to let's walk through it like you did with your your mom because I I think that's what she needs me to do um, to help her children uh, go through all this, but I I can't. Thank you enough. I do believe that the millennials are showing even myself a different way to embrace and prepare for the unexpected, but also the expected. We all know we're going to die. But how we plan for that is totally in our own wheelhouse. You know, we can ignore it or we can really embrace it. I will say this, the more we prepare for our own end of life, the better our family members and those we leave behind are better prepared to move on with their grief. Um, not move without it, but just start grieving. Um, and they all the ins and outs, the passwords, and you can make this situation not as, oh my, crazy monotonous as it should be um, or could be. So Lantern is a great resource. And again, it's Lantern.com. So, Liz, thank you for creating this uh, platform. I encourage everyone to check it out and keep doing good work and let me know how I can support you guys. And I just am really hats off to you for, you know, taking your own personal experiences and creating a mission and then a platform that is a resource for you know, global people, um, everyone in the, in the world. But um, I really do uh, appreciate your effort and your whole team making this accessible to everyone.
1: Thank you so much. And thank you so much for having me and for encouraging these conversations.
0: Thanks for joining us today. And remember, you're the designer. This podcast is produced by Jason Andre with Seven Season Films. If you're interested in telling your story via podcast, look him up. You can find him at 7seasonfilms.com.